I'm bathed in orange light. Welcome to Mindful Moments of Mars. I'm bathed in the light of, I guess, sodium atoms being excited and then being less excited. Electrons given jumping down from one uh, quantum thingy to another, giving out whatever the frequency of light they do that gives this um, orangey color. That's what's going on here. That's the light that I'm bathed in as I record this because of... So I would normally record in the back of the house, but my neighbours are sitting in their back garden singing uh, traditional Irish songs and... Um, I didn't want that to be on this recording. And also I didn't want them, if I could, my, my thinking was if I could hear them singing, they might hear me talking about Barsoom. And uh, someone's going to wreck someone else's buzz. I don't know which way it would go, but maybe they'd be like, we're just, ch we're just having, a, trying to have a quiet little sing song here in our back garden. And you're coming at us with all this, these adventures on Barsoom. The adventures of Barsoom we're currently interested in are the chessmen of Mars. I don't know who the chessmen of Mars are. Th this title has lingered over this story like uh, it's like Chekhov's gun, but it's Chekhov's title. He, you know, usually when something's in a title, you expect that to come up in the story. There has been such a small amount of chess in this story that I am boggled. And um, we're currently on chapter seven. I, at this point, I was expecting us to be deep into some chess. Um, we're not, but maybe maybe it'll come up soon. Gahan Jedagathol has found Tara's flyer, her little um, Nausicaa Valley of the Winds style flying yoke that, that she hid in some bushes. It doesn't have a propeller, but it. I think that just means he won't be able to fly it in any direction. And I think he can still get it going with the wind, maybe. Um, and he's currently planning to rescue Tara. So that's exciting. Are you excited? I'm excited. Although being bathed in this light, I think it's, it's, it's bringing a mellow, it's bringing a mellow mood here to me. I, I hope that mellow mood is is being transmitted to you through this audio experience. I hope you're feeling mellow. If you're not feeling mellow, I'll give you a little exercise that you can use to, to become more mellow after we read about what Gahan is up to. So look forward to that. Check in later. Um I don't I, I was about to say if uh Okay, yeah, if you don't want to hear about the Barsoom, I think I can do this. Um, if I look at what time it is. <laughs> Why am I making this so complicated for myself? Fast forward one minute and 15 seconds if you don't want to hear about Barsoom. If you just want to hear the instructions on how to be more mellow. The sudden Barsoomium night had fallen. Chloros rode majestically the high heavens. The rumbling roar of a banth reverberated among the hills. Gahan of Gathal let the ship rise a few feet from the ground. 
Then, seizing a bow rope, he dropped over the side. I was just, just stopped there a moment, and I was thinking, is that how you pronounce that word? Bow? Bow? The bow for a ship, right? He dropped over the side. To tow the little craft was now a thing of ease, and as Gahan moved rapidly toward the brow of the hill, brow, bro, he moved toward the brow of the hill. What's up, bro? Um, above Bantum, the flyer floated behind him as lightly as a swan upon a quiet lake. Now down the hill, toward the tower, dimly visible in the moonlight, the Gatholian turned his steps. Closely behind him sounded the roar of the hunting banth. Uh, okay, so I, I'm almost up on my time limit. So I'm going to now say hello and welcome to the part of the episode where I tell you about... What was I going to tell you about? How to be mellow. Okay, this is an exercise that I haven't planned, so it's it's completely improvised. I don't know what I'm going to say after my current words, but the idea is how to become more mellow. So let's think about what do we associate with mellowness. Mellowness is being dressed like Frank Sinatra and clicking your fingers and leaning. So you're supporting yourself on one foot. You've got the other foot kind of crossed over. You're leaning on a bar. And you've got uh, a highball glass next to you. And someone walks past and you call them a cat. You say, hey, cat. Um, so how can you incorporate those aspects of mellowness into your situation where you are not right now? Do you have something you can lean on and stand on one foot? If you do, do that. Is there someone else around you in the room? You're listening. I'm presuming you're listening to this on headphones. Maybe there's someone else around you. Turn to them and call them a cat. If they respond to you, ignore them. Pay attention to me. They're not important. Just the important thing is that you call them a cat. They're important. Respect their rights and everything and be good to them and, and treat them well. But for the purposes of the rest of the exercise, they're not important. The only reason they're there is to be called a cat. Um, do you have a highball glass? No. Um, you should be staying hydrated anyway. You can't be mellow if you're not hydrated. Uh, is there anything else to do? Um, d don't be too much like Frank Sinatra. I don't know how nice of a person he was. I, it's all This is all hearsay on my part, but I think he was... Um, uh, I don't know. I, what story am I basing this on? I think he, he wanted... Mia Farrow to not be in Rosemary's Baby. He wanted her to just do something less good than that. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, it's also, you know, was he, did he have ties to the mob? Did he? Seem to. Oh, no. Have I got myself in trouble with the Frank Sinatra estate? Listen, as far as I'm concerned, the Frank Sinatra estate was fully redeemed by Nancy Sinatra singing You Only Live Twice. So even if he did do those bad things, Nancy Sinatra clear, cleared the slate and um, put them into the green or the red or whichever color is the positive color for estates to be in. Um, good song, good, good Bond film, good volcano bass. Um... If you think about all the volcano bases, um, so I'm comparing 
you only live twice, uh, Blofeld's base, probably the base of the villains in the Dino Riders. Um, those are those <laughs> the volcano bases. Who had the best base? Well, probably the Dino Rider villains because um, dinosaurs plus mad laser yokes on, on all their necks and things. It's hard to compete with that just by having a monorail. And they probably also had a monorail. They had high-tech solutions to transport problems. Although I've heard that monorails aren't great um, as a transport solution because they're just like, just build a train. What are you doing? Why would, Why is one rail better than two? Two, at least, you know, it's not going to flip and topple over. Are you feeling mellow? Did that help? Um, just imagine yourself, you're in the Dino Rider's base, but it's safe. I was about to say, it's, you would imagine it to be dangerous because you've got large dinosaurs and they've all got lasers on their necks. But I think the whole point of Dino Riders is they, the villains used, like, mind control on the dinosaurs but the the good dino riders i'm doing air quotes with my hands because this is an alien civilization's conflict that we don't know the ins and outs of but we we tend to take sides in these saturday morning conflicts um the good ones i think they just made friends with the dinosaurs and convinced them to to be beasts of burden for the sake of their uh, alien conflict. And who's to say whether Dino Riders happened in reality or not? It certainly happened in a cartoon, but would, you know, would the fossil record show all these lasers and things? Yes, probably it would. Although, you know what, maybe it wouldn't, because who? how long did this go on for? Um, I don't think Dino Riders permeated the, the public conscience. Listen, I, I've, I've gone on a little bit longer than I intended to talk about Dino Riders, um, but I should see this through. If if they were fighting, let's just say their, their war on Earth between the good Dino Riders and the bad Dino Riders and dinosaurs equipped with lasers on the next, let's say it lasted four years. Okay, that's pretty pretty long time by the standards of a significant armed conflict on Earth. That's a, that's a thin sliver of the fossil record. I mean, I'm not a geologist or a, any of the other ologists who would know things about these things, but it just seems like four years. You could ficken... You could, I said ficken there. Ficken is the, is the word I use, so I don't need to put an explicit tag on this, um, on this uh, audio experience. I feel like you could, you could ficken accidentally... Um, scrape through four years on the fossil record and, and completely miss out on all the lasers and stuff. Um, or, you know, when you're using the little duster, like you're, like you're going to have a shave, you're like, like shaving brush thing. You could, you could brush away four years fairly easily. Have we covered off the mellow exercise? I think we have. I hope you're feeling mellow um, in your volcano base and uh, let's take a breath. <laughs> 